the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christ and His gifts. These gifts are quite amazing. But to what end? Why have they been given to us as the church? And how are we to understand them? Well, this is what is behind our series, Christ and His Gifts. We're in part four. Join us. Abounding Grace is up next. And again, welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org, where you can listen to all our previous messages. Today, we are back in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. It's our final look at this little mini-series Pastor Gary has presented to us called Christ and His Gifts. It's a final look at part four of this series. We invite you to spend time with us as we explore these gifts and to what end they've been given. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The goal is not to, since we are here, say this is Gary Wagner's church. Please don't ever say that, because I don't want this church. I'll leave it. I don't want it. It's not mine. Nor are we trying to form a church by our pet agendas. Well, we believe in this cause or that cause, and we do this or we do that. It is not our church to form, beloved. There is only one head of the church, and it is Christ. And we have his word, and each one of us needs to be studying it, because that is how he rules over us and defends us, for his word is his throne in the church. So as we read that word and study it, Among other things, we learn that those who have this gift of governing, they are to be like Jesus, setting examples. If you would be a good governor or a good ruler in the church, you must obviously walk with him. Because you cannot teach what you do not know, and you cannot make disciples if you yourself are not a disciple and a learner of the Savior. It's interesting that he adds the word diligence there with ruling. The word is actually spude, which means haste, which is an interesting idea. It has connotations of diligence or fervency and earnestness. So a ruler is supposed to be hasty, not in the sense we normally use it, but to be earnest, energetic, fervent. Why is this? Because we are competing in one sense against the world. You know, it's amazing, the world's music. If you watch any of the videos, there is this excitement and enthusiasm. And I'm not talking about the perverse stuff we hear out there. We just love good music. It excites us. We are exuberant about these things. Why? Well, that's for a different sermon another day. But the point I want to make is we are not nearly so excited about worshiping God. And that, for me, is very sad. 
If someone said, fill in the blank, your favorite music group, your favorite sports team is in town, you've got tickets on the front row, what? You got me tickets on the front row? Man, this is going to be a great day. And you start making all these plans and start moving your schedule around for it. There are obstacles to get to getting there because you've got to arrange transportation and money for it. But nothing will get in the way of me getting to where I'm doing what I want enthusiastically. But when it comes to worshiping God and serving Him, we're often sound asleep. Sound asleep. So rulers then come on the scene there in Romans 12.8. And if nothing else, pastors, elders, teachers, fathers would fit into this at some level too. Because if you're going to be a father, you've got to have the gift of governing your own home. And at some level, you've got to show by your words, by the way you talk about Jesus, which must be sincere, that serving God and loving Jesus is the most exciting and most important thing in all this life. And the lack of that is why the church is looking for a thousand other things to give it meaning and relevance. It's either all in the music, or it's all in the programs, or it's all in feeling good and youthful and revelant and uh, relevant, or it's all in social crusading, or whatever it may be but something to generate excitement. But what we really need is leaders, pastors, rulers, elders who are excited and zealous and shepherded under Christ according to God's Word. That is what God's remedy for the world's stupidity is. It is we are all sheep and we have under shepherds, rulers under Christ. And as these men walk with him and grow in love for him, the congregation grows likewise. Perhaps many people, I think, their vision of the Presbyterian church is with an older leadership and very staid. We know our traditions. We know what to do and what not to do and such. But that's not the Bible's picture. The Bible's picture is that those who rule are not passive. But that doesn't mean that they are youthfully giddy either. It means there is a certain earnestness, a a diligence, because he knows he will have to give an account to the Master. And I live with this every day, that I'm going to give an account for you and myself before God. You might say, though, well, I will most likely go somewhere else eventually because, after all, most people do in this day and age, don't they? We need a car every seven years, and we need a new church about every seven years. That's just kind of the age we live in. But I don't look at it like that. I pray for all those who come here because I'm going to give an answer for them. I may not give the main answer, but I'm going to give an account That is what the Word of God says, and I live with that. You have to understand then 
that there needs to be a certain earnestness on my part in conforming and encouraging and confronting and in counseling. The same, and it's the same thing with Ben, that we are going to give an account before the chief shepherd. So there's no room here for passivity, thinking I can do it because my, I can't do it because my energy level is weak and I'm running out of steam and I get distracted. Okay then. That must mean church rulers, pastors, teachers, elders, in the home, fathers and mothers, every day has got to be continually kept coming to the fountain of life, which is Christ. Because He is the only one who can give us the love and desire for Him that grows. His wisdom in us growing. We have the mind of Christ, all of us. So that it's never a stagnant thing. There is increase, or there should be. You know all the words that are used to describe the body of Christ in Scripture? None of them are, when you reach a certain place, you're okay, you're good. And the same thing is true of the Christian life. It's always growth, increase, perseverance. There are always thoughts of movement because Jesus is not buried in the ground in the Middle East like Muhammad. He's not buried in the ground somewhere in Asia like the Buddha. He is alive now. He was dead, but he is alive forevermore and he rules over all things. And if any man be in Christ, behold, he's a new creation. And that newness continues to grow within us, all of us. So let me encourage those of you who govern here. Let me encourage those of you who govern elsewhere. You have got to abide in Christ because we don't have any wisdom, any life, any energy, any diligence in ourselves. It's not found in books. Well, we're going to study this book. And everyone gets excited about the book. But have you ever noticed the book energy always goes down? And then I need another book now. Because books don't have any intrinsic energy. Jesus Christ alone is the living way. So let me encourage you, fathers, in your home. If you need rejuvenation to lead family worship. If you need rejuvenation to set an example. If you need rejuvenation, maybe to go back and deal with some bridges you've burnt down. Because if you're like me, you've brought your own sins into your family. And you probably tried to do a good job of manipulating everyone to cover them up. Fathers, oftentimes at one level, all of us are manipulators. Because we want our families to view us in a certain way. But they all know your faults. I mean, if you want to know my faults and anything about me, just ask my kids. It's no mystery. We don't ever want to be the Stepford family. You know, everybody just smiling and plastic and it's all good. But then when the kids get to be 20, 25, 30, they come back and they tell the stories. And I would rather look at, be looked at as if I was covered with warts because I am. Because I am covered with the warts of sin. And there's only one place to go to get those taken care of. That is at the foot of the cross. That is the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So dads, if you need rejuvenation, 
You are not going to find it in a book. You're not going to find it at a dad's conference. It's not going to happen unless those things lead you to, oh, I need to walk with him. I need to walk with a fountain of living waters. I need to walk with the bread. I need to walk with the way, the truth, the light, the shepherd, the door, the gate. I need to walk with him who said, when Martha said, Lord, I know that my brother will rise again in the resurrection at that last day. And Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, I am the resurrection. Resurrection, not just I will bring about a resurrection, which is true too, but I am life itself. All men live because of me. All men who will be made new is because of me. I am the resurrection. That's the one we need, men. That's the one we need, mothers, if. You're going to keep your head down, mothers, and lead in your home with your little flock and do what God has called you to do. You've got to keep going back to, not, well, this book says this is what is supposed to happen and we've got to do this. Those things may be useful at times, but more fundamental than that is, I need Jesus Christ to make me alive on a daily basis so that I can groan and govern and lead my family with diligence. Well, the last gift here in closing is very familiar ground, or at least it should be. He that shows mercy, it says. If we kind of all throw our checkbooks in the fire, our cars and our houses, everything outward like our wardrobes, which differentiate us, and we just stood there naked. That's how we really are. Jesus told the church of Thyatira that you think you're smart, intelligent. You have everything you need, but you are really poor, blind, and naked. That's us. And yet God had mercy on us. If you know the Savior in here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That mercy is the sum of your life. That is what you keep coming back to. You fall into sin. God, have mercy on me, this sinner. Lord, I need help here. Please remember your mercy to me. Lord, the sins of my past are haunting me, but I know there is mercy in the Lord Jesus, and his blood cleanses all my sins, past, present, and even in the future. But for the believing, humbled heart, That never creates a sense of presumption. Well then, I can just go ahead and sin. No, what it creates is a sense of, I don't want to sin. I hate sin. I don't want to take back up the knife that slew the Son of God when he died for me. I don't want to do that. I want to bury that knife in the ground. I want to be done with sin. Who shall deliver me? from the body of this death so that I can be free from this for the good that I want to do I can't do and the evil I don't want to do I do it is he that showeth mercy mercy can be a young single girl or a married woman who goes and helps a mother who has a lot of children it could be one man who sees a brother struggling in his calling or maybe a younger brother who is struggling with his marriage and he says you know what I want to take that brother aside and encourage him. I want to help him. 
Mercy takes all kinds of forms. It could be a meal to a shut-in. It could be encouragement to someone who is lonely or who is elderly. The field of compassion is wide. Just look unto Jesus. In a sense, I think there is a reason there is no specific office attached to mercy in the church. And it is because every one of us have tasted mercy. And if we all are not showing it, how can we say that the love of God is even in us? Look in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we have the love of God because we have, he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Mercy is so fundamental to the Christian disciple, to the Christian life. Remember the parable Jesus told about the guy who had been forgiven the equivalent of our national debt. And then he went out and found someone who owed him 50 cents and threw him into jail until he paid him everything back. And the master said, all your debt comes back to you and you are cast out. Jesus then said to his disciples, so God will do to you if you do not forgive from your heart your brother. You see, mercy is forgiveness. Boy, can you imagine how different our marriages would be if we truly forgave? Truly forgave? Not just say the words, I forgive you, but forgave. To just put it out of your mind. That is what God calls us to do when he gifts some of us, of course, with more than others to show this mercy. But I just want to leave with you today that there is a sense in which every one of us, if we know God's mercy, if we know Christ, we've got to keep coming back to that mercy. How do you get your heart warm again? You know, we live with each other in the body for a while and it's like, that's just the way that person is. And we write them off and put them in a box of judgmentalism. So how do we get our hearts warm again? How do we get our hearts beating again with love for each other? You've got to go right back to the first floor and stand before the cross and realize, God had mercy upon me when I was filthy, a wretched sinner. And there was nothing I could do about it. I didn't even know I was a filthy, wretched sinner. You see, that's the problem with the blindness of the human heart. Oh, we think we can see. After the Pharisees asked, are we blind too? Jesus said, you think you see, but you are still blind. You see, that's the problem. We think we can see. But we are blind until Jesus comes along and he touches our eyes and takes away our blindness. So let me encourage each one of us in light of these three gifts of giving and of ruling and of showing mercy. Bring them all back to, do you want to do these more? Do you want to have more to give tangibly of time, energy, self? Would you rule better, elders, men, teachers, fathers in your home, mothers in your home? Would you rule well? 
Would you have the diligence? Would you have the passion? Do you want to be more merciful? Then we're going to have to remember two things. One, I was born into sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I have nothing but what God gave me. I don't have anything that I can call my own. Nothing, beloved. Everything bad that has happened in my life is my fault. I can't ever tell God you were treating me unfairly. No, if God were to treat me fairly, it would be a thousand times worse. And then two, God has mercy upon us in Jesus. Think on these things. Be humbled by these things. Rejoice in these things because seeing the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, his perfect propitiation on the tree whereby he bore our sins and he satisfied God's wrath by means of his blood. If we remember that, he was the burnt offering. When we see him marred, beaten, bloodied, broken, forsaken, knowing it should have been me. And that is your destiny here today, my friends, if you do not repent and believe the gospel. But if you do repent and you believe the gospel, then you are forgiven. I'm forgiven. God has had mercy upon me. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And how shall I then live? How shall you live? Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I want to give not because I'm keeping tabs, not because I want to feel noble, not because I'm a benefactor of humanity, because God gave me his only son when I was his enemy. And I want to show mercy. There are those who are hurting in our midst. You know, sometimes children can be some of the best angels of mercy in a family or in a congregation. Because perhaps some, not all, are not so wrapped up with themselves that they can still see, oh, my mom is hurting. My sister, my brother is hurting. Crying, I've seen it. I've seen that all here. That is how each one of us should be. Please pray for me this week as I pray for you. Lord, free us from being obsessed with ourselves, with our feelings, with what we are going through, our burdens. Instead, obsess us with you. Obsess us with your sufficiency, your love for us, the way you laid down your life on the cross so that we can then come to you and be joyful and then draw from your, you these gifts of giving of governing, of showing mercy within the body of Christ. These are not highly uh, dramatic gifts and wonders. No one is going to jump up and down, you know, showing mercy with cheerfulness, without complaining. But in some respects, these really tell us whether we know the Savior or not. They really do. Because there is no true disciple of Jesus who is going to be able to live with his selfishness. No true disciple of Jesus is going to be able to live with stinginess because as we keep coming back to him and believing in him, he's going to humble us. He's going to smash our idols because he's not dead. He's alive. And he doesn't look at his flock in any day or night and say, well, they seem to be pretty okay to me. I think I'm just going to sleep in. 
No, he has the dew of his youth. And he's going to continue shepherding and leading and guiding and convicting and reproving and sanctifying and helping so that we can be more like him. Ask yourself, when was the last time I gave anything to anyone without thinking about myself when I gave? When, men, was the last time you cleaned up the kitchen without thinking, okay, I'm in the one-up column now. When was the last time you just did a kind thing? Because Jesus gave to me. When was the last time you showed mercy to someone without thinking, you know? This is really going to put me out. and I'm really, really too busy for this. When was the last time you thought, you know, I don't care if this people, this person ever speaks to me again. I don't care if this person even loves me. But Jesus does love me. Therefore, I am going to love them. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.